Welcome into the show for today, guys. This is Fantasy MLB Today, and I am your host, Joe Orrico. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. And if you guys listen to the show regularly, you know that Wednesday is the day we usually bring on a guest. And today is no different. I'd like to welcome in our guest right off the top, Mr. Rob Silver. You guys know him from the Launch Angle podcast. Rob, thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, my pleasure. It's going to be fun. So you guys can find him on Twitter if you aren't already following him at Rob Silver. We're going to be talking today about a couple of guys who have started off very hot and a couple of guys who are on the other end of the spectrum and just talk about how we think they're going to do going forward. I think a good name to start with is maybe the hottest player in baseball, Ty France. Uh, how do you feel about Ty going forward? Uh, Ty God. Uh, he's, uh, he's the number one player in fantasy uh, so far this year. I don't like a lot of these guys who are off uh, to hot starts. It's almost a boring cliche to say. I don't think he's going to keep quite this up, but I liked, uh, I liked him a lot going into uh, drafts Uh, this year. I have him in a few places. He's he, he was so underrated uh, coming into this uh, season. There's, there's this thing and I'm sure you've talked about it too. You can get power anywhere. You can find power late, all those kinds of things. What you can't find, and there aren't that many guys who do it, is hit 25 home runs with a good batting average. And that's what I like about uh, Ty France. So is he going to hit 375, which is batting average right now? No. But Ty France is a guy who should hit uh, uh, 280-ish the rest of the, the way. And which means with his stats already this year, because they do count, he's a legit 25 home run, uh, 300 batting average uh, guy. And that is so valuable. And in most formats, he also has multi-position eligibility, first base, second base. So uh, I'm a huge fan. There just aren't a lot of players who have his batted ball skills. Like he doesn't strike out. He's only striking out 10.8% so far this year. Again, I think it goes up a little bit. But when you find guys whose walk rate and strikeout rates are that close, um, uh, he's uh, he's legit. So I'm... uh, Again, not buying into him being the number one uh, player in fantasy, um, but I, th- I think he's a legit, really good uh, uh, hitter, and uh, so I, I like him a ton uh, for the rest of the season. Would you try and just ride it out with him, or would you try and sell him for? Try- oh no! If I if I I mean, unless somebody uh, unless somebody offered me a legit kind of second, third round value for him, which I don't think you're getting offered in most leagues. Um, I'm holding him and riding him all season. I think the Mariners lineups, um, it's not a great lineup, but it's a good lineup. Um, So I think the counting stats are going to be there. I think he's going to get close to 100 RBIs. I think he's going to get, you know, 80-ish runs scored. So I think if you have Ty France, unless you are blown away for Ty France, you uh, thank your lucky stars that you drafted him and you ride him out all season. Yeah, like you said, it's nice uh, having the ability to put him at first, second, uh, even third base. He's eligible on Yahoo, so really nice uh, eligibility there. Let's move on to Jock Peterson. Do you think Jock will be able to keep up similar production, or do you think this is a peak time to maybe move on and sell him? Uh, so Jock Peterson is smoking the ball right now, and it, it's, it feels like they've worked their magic yet again. The problem with Jock Peterson, he's always he's – always, 
like he's all from the Dodgers days on Jacques has always been a really good hitter. The problem with Jacques was always the platoon splits. And like uh, he was a guy who, if you're in a daily transaction lead and you can, you can, um, you could get him in against the, the righties. Uh, you could get a huge amount of value, uh, uh, from, but, uh, but that doesn't seem like his, uh, who he is anymore. I think he's now a, um, he's an everyday guy for the most part. Now, do I, like, I put it, put it this way. I'd rather have Ty France the rest, uh, of the season than Jacques Peterson. The challenge, so I'll, I'll talk myself out of it. So I think he has made <laughs> legit gains. I think that the Giants have shown over the last couple of years, they can get the most out of their players. The thing that worries me a little bit about Jacques is when the Giants get fully healthy, nobody platoons more than, than the Giants do. And I'm not entirely convinced that he does play every single day uh, against lefties. But all that being said, um, like you, if I told you he's going to put up Kyle Schwarber uh, numbers from last year, uh, the rest of the season, um, do you th- take that as a good thing or as a bad thing? Uh, I think it's a good thing, given what you paid for for Jacques Peterson uh, and what you have uh, right now. Um, but I do still think uh, they will sit him against one again once they have everybody there, because that's what they do. Um, but I think he's a good hitter. His batting average is not going to be anything close to Ty France. So why why would I take one over the other? Uh, mostly batting average and playing time. I think France will play pretty much every day, whereas I'm not convinced about that with Peterson. But like nobody's hotter than him uh, right now. He is just smoking the baseball. Like so, I think. Like, is he going to have a 239 WRC plus? No, obviously <laughs> not. Um, is he going to have a 426 uh, ISO? No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but he, but he can get 30 home runs uh, this year in 550 plate appearances. Um, so that's the funny thing about a guy like Jacques Peterson. You may not want him to play every single day. It's annoying when he only plays five days, uh, five games in a week. Um, but it, it may protect his batting average because if he starts playing against those lefties, um, it may come down. But uh, but no, I mean, he's another guy. I just don't think in a trade, if the question ultimately is, so you do deal Jacques Peterson, I don't think you're going to get a, a real legit offer from him because I think people kind of know the history, know the track record. But if I look back to like his 2019 Dodgers stat line, 83 runs, 36 home runs, 74 RBIs 249. Um, I think that's kind of where he ends up, and that's really, really good. Uh, I just don't know how much better it really is this uh, season for Jacques Peterson. Yeah, he's still fairly available, too. He's been added a lot more and more. Um, but on Yahoo, on the surface, he's rostered in 65% of leagues. It feels like it should be a lot higher. I don't know why it's not higher than that. Totally. Because- I, he, should, he should absolutely be owned, unless you're in like a six-team league. 10 yeah. team or 10 team or deeper. Uh, I think you have to own Jock Peterson. I would just, if, if you look at the schedule in a week and they're facing three or four good lefties. And to be clear, there aren't that many good lefties in, in baseball. There aren't that many good lefties in, in the, the NL West. Um, but if you see that as his schedule in a week, maybe you bench him for, if you have a better outfield option, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't be owned everywhere. He absolutely, Jacques Peterson should be owned on in every single league format right now. 
Yeah, there might be a case where they're playing, and I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but they might have the Dodgers and they might have Urias and Kershaw or something like that. So yeah. That would be something like that. Um, okay, we've talked enough about those two guys. What about Dylan Bundy? I, I'm not really buying into it so far, but I mean, he's put together three good starts in a row. I'm, I don't want to believe that this is going to continue. I mean, I'd love to, leave, to believe it's going to continue. I just don't think it will. Do you have any hope that he can maintain value? <laughs> Um, do I have hope? Well, I have Dylan Bundy on a bunch of teams. The problem <laughs> has been, I've been so skeptical about getting him into the lineup. Um, it's like, what? To, I mean, there's been a bit of smoke and mirrors, but he's been like, even, even with the low, the relatively low strikeout, uh, rate, um, his advanced, uh, ERA projectors, uh, are, are great. Like his XERA is 164, his FIP is 170, even his XFIP is 305. What's he doing so well? Well, two things. You know, he isn't walking anybody and he isn't giving up any home runs. If you do those two things, um, you're going to have a lot of success. Um, now the question is, are those sustainable? Um, I think he has shown, he showed in 2020 in the, in the, uh, short, uh, sprint season that he can control the home runs when he's on. Um, so like, I, I, I think it depends on your league with Dylan Bundy. If you're in a 15 team mixed league, Dylan Bundy will be a playable, rosterable uh, player. There are a lot of bad offenses in the AL Central. Why did I draft Dylan Bundy? It's not that I thought he was going to be the best starting pitcher in baseball. It's that I wanted him to be able to use him against the Kansas City lineup. I wanted to be able to use him against what we thought was going to be a really bad Cleveland uh, lineup. I, I don't think anything has changed in that sense. Um, so you're not like waving Dylan Bundy after these uh, great three great starts. Um, but would it surprise me if in his next start, he gives up seven runs and suddenly Dylan Bundy's line looks a lot different? No, no. it wouldn't surprise me. So I, I uh, certainly of the three players you have named uh, so far, the one that I am the most skeptical about is Dylan Bundy. It is just very, very hard to succeed long-term um, in in today's baseball with a, with a 20% strikeout rate. But it's not impossible if you're walking nobody. So that's the one skill, quote-unquote, that if he shows that he has just decided this year he's not walking any guys anymore, um, then he could have a real nice uh, season. But that's not who he's been. He's had a 7.7% walk rate for his career. So... Um, I'm skeptical still about uh, Bundy. Yeah, it's interesting. His walk rate is quite a bit down, and his strikeouts are also down. But somehow he's still been successful. It's 15 uh, innings. Yeah, it's it's a small sample size for sure. But it's, I mean, I wouldn't have expected it to this point for sure. No Just, doubt. I, I I don't even know his ADP was. I can't think of it off the top he, of my head. He was, he was he was he was free. He was he was, was a pretty, guy like in 15 to, in the NFBC in the 15. Uh, team leagues, you were getting Dylan Bundy in the 18th, 19th, uh, 20th uh, round. The other thing I'd point out about him is it's not like he's faced a soft schedule so far. So he's he's faced the White Sox, Boston, and Seattle. Like Those are legit offenses. If if he had had two starts against Kansas City, then you could easily chalk it up uh, to that. Uh, But he's faced legit offenses. Um, but yeah, I'm still, I, I, in, before I started, I, I would tell people like, go get you some Dylan Bundy, do what it takes to get him. 
I'm going to need to see a lot, uh, you know, four or five more starts, and you'd really like to see those strikeout numbers come up. Yeah, that's, that's true. I don't think he's historically a major strikeout guy, but you'd like to see a bit more than what we have so far for sure. Let's maybe talk about a couple of guys who are underperforming and how you think they'll fare going forward. Uh, Adalberto Mondesi has really struggled out of the gate. He's stolen some bases. I think he's up to five steals, but the bat has really not been there. Do you? I've seen him actually dropped in a lot of leagues, particularly in ESPN. He's not very high roster percentage. Do you think he'll turn it around? I mean, he's an injury risk guy for sure. But where do you, where do you stand on him? Um, I've I'm I have been a Adalberto Mondesi hater for as long as Adalberto Mondesi has been around, which is now <laughs> a long time, right? Like he made his major league debut in 2016, and um, so I'm not doing a victory lap here on Mondesi. Um, the the single biggest problem, well, there's a lot of problems with his start and it's 51 plate appearances. So you don't want to overstate it, but it's really hard to strike out 40% of the time <laughs> and uh, be a major league baseball player. Um, so I think even though Kansas city isn't great, he's, he's like th- two, three weeks away from starting to lose playing time. You can't just keep playing a guy hitting this poorly. Now, as down as I am about Mondesi, he's not this bad. I don't think he's this bad, um, but he's really going to have to turn it around. He's like the, the five stolen bases are great and the five stolen bases are nice, but like um, he he's, he's like Billy Hamilton right now. He's gore right uh, now. And those guys, um, even with power down, are just tough to use uh, ever. And his batting average is obviously uh, killing you. So he's got to start hitting the baseball. And again, I think he's better than he has shown, but that's different from saying that I think he's good. Um, but he's like, if I want to make a case for Mondesi, what's the case for him? Uh, well, first off, the steals are there and those are worth a ton because there's a lot of teams fantasy teams right now who have no stolen bases like are are struggling to find stolen bases he will steal bases he will find a way to somehow get on base just enough to keep being near the league lead in stolen bases and two he's such a streaky hitter like we've seen those september teases from him that people hold out all winter as well. Look, if he just does that for six months, what he just did in September, he's, you know, top 10 fantasy player. And that's true. And he, so he could get on a four week um, burner where he hits three home runs, where he hits a bunch of doubles and triples and starts pounding the baseball again. Um, That's possible. But I think it's also possible that he's like in the minors uh, soon or, or on the bench real soon for Kansas city. So what do I do with Mondesi? Uh, if I own him, I think I have to bench him and wait until he starts hitting, which is tough to bench a guy like Mondesi because you know the week that you put him on your bench is the week he's just going to go off. Yep. But right now, he is killing you, just killing you uh, if, you're, if you're putting him in the lineup every week. It's, it's something that I've always thought about him and that he's shown is that he can really show that he has power. Like he has in his career played 357 games, 38 home runs. It's not, it's not a massive amount. His 162 game average would be 17 home runs based on how he's performed. And it'd be nice to see him get a little bit more pop, but he is batting like eight, nine in that lineup. So his value is really diminished from where he was uh, before the season and going in drafts for sure. 
he has a double he has a negative 12 wrc plus i don't even understand how the formula works that you get to a minus 12 wrc plus but as it turns out this is how you do it uh right like this is he it's not he he only has six singles and of his six singles two of them were bunt hits so he only has in 51 plate appearances four actual hits that were not bunts like that ain't getting it done. He has no ISO. Like he he literally has no ISO because he hasn't hit a ball that isn't a single. Yeah, it's true. He's not not awesome. That is not amazing. Yeah, he's kind of got to be on your bench for now, I guess. But that, like you said, the first game on the bench, he'll hit a home run and steal two bases. If 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 he's on the waiver wire, like even if you're in a ten team league, I think he's worth picking up just yeah. because the upside. Even as a guy who does not like Mondesi, the upside still is tremendous. So I think if you can spare a bench spot, um, I would pick him up if he's been waived in your league. Yeah, absolutely. I agree there. Uh, let's talk about a pitcher who struggled a little bit, who I actually really liked last year, uh, Tyler Molly. Do you feel that this is something just, you know, not a lot of spring training, hasn't gotten really comfortable this year yet, he just needs a bit more time, or are you actually concerned about Molly? Uh, I'm, I mean, when you look at Molly, his underlying, uh, numbers are what he's, uh, what he's basically done for the last two years since the strikeout numbers, uh, really shot up in, uh, 2020. So the strikeouts, uh, strikeouts are there. The walks are a little bit up, but not horrendously up. He's being killed by his BABIP, um, so BABIP and, and left on base percentage. So I don't think like he has a 392 BABIP. I think Molly's BABIP should come come down. When you look again at his like his FIP, his XFIP, uh, his XERA, all of those numbers are uh, are great. Like they're better than his uh, career averages. So the, the left on base percentage, uh, basically half the the. the um, it's 51%, which means half the, the base runners are coming around a score. That's That regresses. Like, that's a lot of bad luck, a bit of bad bullpen, but a lot of bad uh, luck. So he's he's a guy, if the Molly owner in your league looks at that 688 ERA and says, Cincinnati's a dumpster fire, I need to uh, get rid of this guy. He's killed my ERA this uh, season, and you can get him for – you know, 30, 40 cents on the dollar. He's not a bad buy cheap um, option. He's never going to be an ERA guy, but those strikeouts are, uh, are, are legit. And uh, I do think they come out. The problem is it's, it's a vicious cycle when you're giving up runs. I mean, and the, he, he had, whether he should have given up the runs or shouldn't have given up uh, the runs, he has given up the runs your starts get shortened. So he's four starts, only 17 innings pitched because you can't keep pitchers in the game who keep giving up so many uh, runs. Um, so that's a problem. Uh, but yeah, he's not a terrible buy low um, candidate, especially if your team ERA context is, is pretty good. And like you, like you mentioned earlier about how bad Cincinnati is, that will limit how many games he will win uh, okay. going forward. Interestingly, last year, not really that this is a fantasy thing, but he had a, a war that was over five last year. I think he had one of the higher wars among pitchers. So he's definitely capable. It's just a matter of getting maybe some more good luck, like you were talking about with the batting average on balls in play, things like that. 
I, I really like Molly, so I agree there. If you can buy him and not spend too much, if someone's panicking, then he's a good guy to target. Uh, not cra- not crazy that he also gets traded sometime this summer. So if, yeah. if he if he has a a little bit of a stretch or stays bad, and a te- another team says we think we can turn this guy around, uh, and it wouldn't take much because um, you know his yeah, I, I it, it is not impossible given where Cincinnati is and what they have done uh, that uh, that he gets dealt uh, his fastball velocity is down a touch but I'm not I'm not so are so many pitchers uh, still as they're ramping up so no I'm not I'm not particularly worried about Molly so yes uh, I'd go get him let's maybe do you have anybody in mind that uh, has stuck out either they've had a great start or a terrible start that you are interested in one way or the other is there anybody that comes to mind for you um, I mean, the guy, a lot of people I was talking about this with somebody on, uh, on Twitter, uh, today is, uh, what do you do if you were, if hindsight is an amazing thing, but, uh, but Byron Buxton's obviously, uh, everybody's talking about MVP, uh, Byron Buxton. If you were doing a draft today for the rest of the season, is he like a first round pick for, for you? Do you think the risk is gone? Now for Byron Buxton, or do you do you, do you still kind of worry a little bit about uh, about the injury risk there with him? I don't know if I could take him in the first round. I think that would be. I'm very risk averse. I've been burned quite a bit over the years, not just in fantasy baseball, but fantasy everything in yep. terms of uh, buying into injured injury prone guys. I don't know if you play fantasy football, but Christian I, McCaffrey, I Christian McCaffrey, really. I'm, fr- I'm familiar. I'm familiar with uh, with what's happened there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm more risk averse. His ADP, I think, was in the 40s before the year, something like that. So he's definitely moved up. And, you know, he did have that injury scare already once this year. So hopefully that's all that we see out of him. Hopefully he can just play the rest of the season. But I'm st- I just don't trust it. I don't know. There's still something I'm a little concerned with. If I was doing a draft today, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I can't say I would. Would you take him in the first round? Do you think? Um, at the so when I was in Vegas for the NFBC drafts, um, whatever it is now, a month ago, uh, he was going. By the time we got there, and he obviously looked awesome in spring training too, and was healthy in spring training. He was routinely going at the one-two turn, so like pick fifteen, sixteen. He was not making it past uh, pick twenty in most drafts. Uh, I was in. So the thing about Buxton, and I and I think he for sure would go earlier if we were drafting uh, again today. Um, but you have to start getting into a conversation about so who do you leap him over in that yeah. uh, case? And it's like, well, why? And this is the question I asked on Twitter: Is why are you taking Byron Buxton over Mike Trout? It's uh, I, I get the argument. Um, but both of them have very similar injury risks. Um, Byron Buxton as, as good. I mean, he, he's ridiculous and we all want like as baseball fans, we all want to see a full season of, uh, Byron Buxton, but as good as he's been Byron, see the thing about Byron Buxton, I'm old enough to remember, uh, I, I, when I won the NFBC main overall, I drafted Byron Buxton in 2016 and he was going to be in like the, when did I draft him? I drafted him in the seventh or eighth round, and he was going to be my speed guy. I was counting on Byron Buxton to steal me 25 uh, bases, and 
by the t- and he he much like Mondesi had a great August and September that year in 2020. So his end in 2016, sorry. So by the end, his end of season numbers were like, wow, that's that's a lot of promise. Um, but he was long gone off my team. What people have forgotten about Byron Buxton is when he started in baseball, his strikeout rate was a real problem uh, for him, and it really was going to cap what his batting average could ever uh, look like. He the power wasn't there to the extent it is now, but the, but he had power and his speed was off the chart, fastest guy in baseball, and he was going to steal these bases. And you know, between his debut in 2015 and last season. He transformed himself as a hitter. What's been interesting in this really early part of the season is the home runs are are huge and they're majestic and they're incredible, but the strikeout numbers are back. And I think the the reason why I would most likely not be the person who would pull the somebody would will almost always like Buxton uh, as of today more than I do is I I worry about the health, so there's that aspect, but I like right now he's hitting 350 and that's amazing, but 389 Babbitt ain't working. It's really hard to hit 300 with a 32% strikeout rate. And I worry that he is selling out for those power uh, numbers. So I think that he could, you know, in 600 plate appearances. And again, we all hope that Byron Buxton get 600 plate appearances. I think he could easily hit 30, 35, maybe 40 uh, home runs. But I think the batting average is a lot closer the rest of the way to 250 than it is to 350, uh, if unless he cuts back down the strikeout numbers, which again he is talented enough to do. The other thing I worry about because why why would uh, the other argument somebody would make, uh, Rob, you're crazy. Of course I take Byron Buxton over Mike Trout as the stolen bases, and he's still crazy fast. If I'm the Minnesota Twins, though, I tell him we don't want you stealing another base uh, this season. Like, stop it. Nothing yeah. good is happening when you run. So stop running. And like all the projection systems have him for 10 to 15 uh, stolen bases. I take the under on that. It's not It's not the skill. I think that they just they're so desperate to keep him healthy. We saw uh, the scary injury when he stole a base uh, or attempted to stole a base. Uh, earlier this month, and I'm not sure they tell him you have the green light because you're so fast. I think they tell him you have a very dark, like yellow, orange uh, uh, light uh, because uh, we need you to be on the field because your glove is so elite and your bat is so elite. So uh, I'm not sure that I'm the guy who takes Byron Buxton uh, early if I were drafting today as great as he's been. Yeah, it's a great point with the steals. And I mean, he's never, he's played over a hundred games one time and it was five, six years ago now. So in comparison with Trout, I think um, it's interesting, kind of a similar trajectory, I guess, in terms of the steals with high. And then as they realize, as they get older, that they need to preserve their bodies, they stop stealing. So it's more even in terms of that, everything else will probably, probably be fairly close in terms of the numbers. But I think I'd favor Trout because he's got Otani batting in front of him and usually Walsh batting behind him. So, I mean, I like that a little bit more than Buxton, who's got, what is it, Correa, and who's the other guy close to him? Is it Polanco? Is close Polanco, to him in the Polanco who I love. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Polanco. So I think I, don't, I, don't say anything bad, bad about Jorge Polanco. No, no, I, I like him quite a bit. I just think in terms of the combination, I would probably go, in terms of those two players, I'd probably take Mike Trout. Um, 
I, I, it's close, though. You know, it's close. If Buxton stays healthy and if he does continue to steal, then he would be the, the higher value player. But uh, like I said, with the injury histories that I have in terms of my personal teams, I don't know I could take on a chance on a guy who's played 500 games across eight years. It's just... <sighs> And I hate to do him like that. I hate to put the bad juju in the air. Like, But it's, I don't know. I don't know. He's very conflicting to me, Byron Buxton. Part of me says you should sell him right now and try and get back a Jose Ramirez or a Trey Turner or somebody if somebody's going to do that. Probably won't. But part of me says you should ride it. I'm very conflicted about him. Yep. Uh, no, I hear you. The only other guys I wanted to mention who are who are doing well but that I worry a lot about right now um, I really worry about Shane Bieber, uh, despite his numbers being so good. Um, I his velocity numbers, uh, his fastball velocity numbers, um, scare the bejeebies out of me. And he was a second round starting pitcher in most leagues I was in this year. I wouldn't be taking him anywhere close to that. So, like, if you have him, you're holding him. Uh, I'm not saying dump uh, Shane Bieber, uh, but um, I worry about Bieber unless the velocity comes uh, comes back. Like he is Zach Greinke esque in terms of his numbers right now. Like two yep. years ago, Greinke and Zach Greinke had a lot of success, but that's not a second round pitcher for me. So I worry about. Uh, and again, when I say worry, I don't mean that he's going to be horrific. I just don't know that he's going to be able to sustain kind of elite numbers. Um, with where his stuff is uh, right now. Now we're early enough in the year where Bieber could turn around uh, things in a start. And I say, I have now changed my opinion because I've seen new facts, but as of today, I'm quite worried about Bieber. Yeah. The velocity's down. Uh, I think the spin rates down as well. He had some shoulder trouble coming into the year. So yeah, I agree. He's another guy who kind of burned me a little bit last year with injury history while we were talking about that. I don't know that he's going to pitch the whole season. I mean, maybe I'm just over-speculating there, but I feel like on a team that's probably not going to be too competitive, they're not going to waste him and put him out there in situations. Maybe later in the year this will be more of a thing than now, but I don't know that he's going to hold up for a whole year on a team that could lose quite a few games. Maybe I'm crazy, but... I, look, I love I love Bieber. Uh, I think he's he's tremendous, but it's just really hard to have success. His his fastball isn't just down compared to last year. If you compare it to where it was in in 20, 20, uh, 18, 19, 20, it's just headed in the wrong direction. So he needs to turn that around, I think, to be able to have the kind of success that again he has had this year. So the numbers are there, but the underlying stuff uh, worries me a lot. Yeah, he's capable. He's fully capable. If you look back at the at the pandemic shortened season, uh, he was he was brilliant. I, albeit in a in a twelve game sample size, but he's definitely capable of more than this. We got to just maybe keep an eye on any injury developments over there. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on today, Rob. It was really a great time. Chatting oh, my with pleasure. You this was fun uh, fun chatting for a little bit. And you know, fellow uh, Canadian, first time on the show. That's always fun to talk to some. I've only had American people on so far. So there you go. Well, it's good. It's good to bring some of our uh, our fellow Canadians uh, on the, on the pod. Love some Canadian content. You guys can find Rob on Twitter at Rob Silver. He is one of the co-hosts of the Launch Angle podcast. So definitely go give him a check out there. Rob, thank you so much. We hope to have you on again some point in the future. My pleasure. Anytime. Cheers. 
Rob Silver, guys, great guy coming on here. Really appreciate that. He is one of the co-hosts of the Launch Angle podcast. I'll give you his Twitter one more time. It's at Rob Silver, R-O-B-S-I-L-V-E-R. Really great guy. Really appreciate having him on here. The one downfall is that we've taken up quite a bit of our time for today. So we'll have to get through our recap a little bit quicker than we typically do. So let's just get right into it there. I'll have to give a bit of an abbreviated recap here, but it's okay. We don't need to focus too, too much. We'll just talk about some of this pitching lines and major developments from yesterday. So the Brewers beat the Pirates 12 to 8. Brandon Woodruff was not very impressive. It was unfortunate. Uh, Over four innings, he gave up seven hits, four earned runs. Uh, He struck out six and walked two. Not the not the start I was hoping for from Woodruff against Pittsburgh. Again, you just got to hope he bounces back uh, next time out and maybe see if anybody in your league is panicking on Woodruff and he could be a decent buy low option through four starts as ERAs over five. So he is in the buy low category at the moment. On the other side, Mitch Keller, again, he's not really a fantasy asset in my book. Over four and two thirds, uh, he gave up five hits, four runs. They were all earned. Walked two batters and only struck out one. There's not really anything going on. Uh, on the fantasy side, to really worry about with him outside of maybe if you're in like a 20-team league or something crazy. Uh, the craziest stat of the craziest line of the night here in this game, at least, was Willie Adamas. Uh, quite a few home runs went out of the park yesterday across baseball, so it's good to see. Maybe they've uh, switched out some baseballs, put in some juiced balls like they did a couple of years ago. Who knows? A lot of home runs yesterday. Willie Adamas hit a couple of them. He was four for five. He scored twice. And he's knocked in seven runs yesterday. So a crazy day for Willie Adamas. If you had him in a daily lineup, that was a huge win for you there. Uh, great performance. And then we're going to talk about a few guys today who hit multiple home runs and had really great offensive performances. He's the first one we're going to get to. Let's move on to the next game here. The Mariners and the Rays was 8-4 Mariners victory. And Logan Gilbert, uh, again, ace showing ace stuff. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year so far, certainly in the American League. And he's looking like one of the biggest steals on draft day. A seriously great performance so far in every in every game. He's been fantastic. Uh, five and two thirds, only two hits against. He struck out seven and walked three. We're I, I was big on Logan Gilbert heading into the year. He was one of the guys I thought was going to break out, and he really has so far. So really happy that we have uh, we hit on him there. I have a couple of shares, so very happy to have him rostered in a couple of leagues. Tampa went with more of a typical Tampa bullpen day. They had Weisler start Matt Weisler and go two innings, and then followed up by Josh Fleming, who gave up seven runs, and none of them were earned. I think there were some errors in the field. Three errors committed by Tampa yesterday, so none of those runs were earned. Nothing much to talk about here uh, other than those, uh, other than Gilbert, really. Gilbert was the big story there. Uh, the next game was the Padres and the Reds. It was a 9-6 to six Padres victory. And Joe Musgrove was not quite as sharp as always. Uh, six innings, seven hits, five runs. The good thing is uh, for your ERA and your category league guys, only two of the runs were earned. And four strikeouts over six innings is a little disappointing for Musgrove. You'd hope for a little bit more than that. Still got the victory, but not ideal for sure. Um, against a Reds team where you're not really thinking they're going to put up too much of a fight. But there you go, right? That's what happens. On the other side, Raver San Martin has continued his rough, rough start to the season. Three innings, eight hits, nine runs. They were all earned. No fantasy value there whatsoever. We will move on to the next game, which was the Phillies and the Rockies. It was a 10-3 Phillies victory. And we had Zach Eflin give a really nice outing here. Six innings, two hits, one earned run. 
struck out three. He is an interesting deep league add, and I think in deeper leagues he should be added. Uh, anything maybe 14, team and deeper, he's probably worth a roster spot. Anything shallower than that is going to be a little iffy going forward. Um, not a major strikeout pitcher. So there's there's some things holding him back from being a standard league guy. Um, I, I do I do like him. I've liked his performances so far this year, but outside of deeper leagues, we're going to leave him alone for now. On the other side, Herman Marquez, over three and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, seven runs. Only four of them were earned, but still not a great outing. Only one strikeout. No fantasy implications there. Charlie Blackman had an, a big night. He had two home runs, and he's been very hot recently. I talked about him on Twitter a little bit this morning. He's someone who should be added in all leagues. And before the season, when I had uh, Ryan Bloomfield on from Baseball HQ, he was talking about a couple of guys who were not really big marquee guys, but who he was interested in. And Blackman was one of the guys that Ryan had shares of early in the year. And, you know, congrats to him because it's early returns have been very good so far. So if you have Blackman, ride it out. Um, If he's on the waiver wire, definitely go pick him up because he is still fairly widely available, more so than you might think. So let's keep going with the Yankees and the Orioles. It was a 12-8 to Yankee victory. And we won't start with the pitchers in this one. We'll start with Anthony Rizzo in this one. We will take a detour than what I usually do. What a performance from Rizzo in a points league, category league, any format, one of the better outings you're going to see on the year. He was three for four. He scored four times. He hit three long balls and six RBIs. Now, one of those home runs was very short, just over the wall and right there at Yankee Stadium. It only would have been a home run at Yankee Stadium, but that's all that matters, right, is that where he was playing, it would have left the yard in. Uh, some of those times, it's really funny. You see the stat cast stuff, and it says, this would have been a home run in only one of 30 parks. Well, it doesn't really matter because he was in that one park yesterday. So, great performance from Rizzo. Uh, I believe he actually overtook Ty France. He's currently the number one ranked player in fantasy at the moment. So, very nice if you drafted Anthony Rizzo to have that kind of production. Let's move on to the pitching. Luis Severino went six strong, uh, gave up four earned runs, which is a little, little much there against the Orioles. Struck out five. He did get the victory. So all in all, you're fairly happy with that from Severino. On the other side, Jordan Lyles, not very fantasy <clears throat> relevant. I mean, I said yesterday to keep an eye on him heading in, but he really got roughed up in four and two thirds, gave up six earned runs, gave up three homers and only struck out three. Nothing to see here in terms of fantasy. I know I said to keep an eye on him yesterday, but really, uh, really much deeper league guy, if anything. Let's move on to the Marlins and the Nationals. Sandy Alcantara. Another strong start from him, six innings, six hits, one earned run, only struck out five, but, you know, only the one earned run, and he got the victory. So Sandy Alcantara is definitely going to be, I think he's going to be a Cy Young candidate this year in the National League. There's a couple of guys who went yesterday who are, <clears throat> I think, potential Cy Young candidates, but Alcantara is definitely someone, um, if you are betting on futures, then maybe Alcantara, he's probably not going to cost you too much right now. In terms of a in terms of a Cy Young bet for this year, so I think he's a decent option there. Uh, on the other side, Josiah Gray, who I actually was really looking forward to seeing him yesterday, and it was a bit of a mixed bag. So he is someone that I used in DFS with it was a kind of success, kind of not at the same time. Uh, what really burned him was the Joey Wendell three run home run. He had a great outing. Other than that, <clears throat> five and two thirds, he gave up seven hits. He struck out ten. Uh, the four in runs is tough. He walked three. But the big strikeout numbers are going to be what draws you to Gray going forward. It's not going to be his team. It's not going to be the potential for wins there. Uh, it's, it's mainly his strikeouts. He has a major power pitcher. Uh, he struck out 28 over 20 innings so far this year. 
<clears throat> I would have him on a roster in pretty much every league. I think that he is worthy of a roster spot. Uh, maybe not in the shallowest of leagues, your six, eight team leagues, whatever friend leagues, mostly like that. But in anything like 10, 12 and deeper, I would have him on a, on a roster. Let's move on here. The next game is the <clears throat> the Royals and the White Sox. I've had a bit of a frog in my throat for the last few days, so that's why every now and then I'm clearing it. I think a bit of an underlying sickness going on with me at the moment. That's okay, because pretty much all I have to do is online stuff anyway. I don't have to really go anywhere, but I haven't been feeling the greatest these last couple of days. I'll have to keep an eye on that. Maybe go get a COVID test. Anyway, let's move on. Royals and White Sox is the next game. Daniel Lynch had a really good outing here. I was not expecting it at all. He's not someone I was targeting at all. But if you did take a chance on him, then you were rewarded with six-inning effort of shutout ball, striking out seven, only two hits. Really a great performance from Lynch. Not something I'm really anticipating much going forward, but he'll be someone in the keep-an-eye column uh, for the next little while anyway. Dallas Keuchel on the other side was not that bad, really. He was okay. He walked five batters, which was the main downfall for him there. Uh, two hits over four innings, two runs. Neither of them were earned. Uh, again, error issues with the with the White Sox defense. I'm not sure who had the errors. I was Tim Anderson again with an error, and Jose Abreu. Tim Anderson has a lot of errors this year. Is that am I am I correct in that? I think he has like four errors, five errors already. That's rough. If you guys are in a fielding percentage league, then that is rough for sure. Uh, not too much else here of note on the fantasy side, so we will move on. Let's go into the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, and a big comeback win in the ninth inning for the Blue Jays. It looked like they had blown it there in the eighth inning uh, with Yimmy Garcia giving up four runs there in relief of Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman, again, with a great start. Over six innings, four hits, with the one unearned run, and he struck out nine. He is exactly what the Blue Jays thought they were going to be getting coming into the year. And I was a little nervous, personally, as a Blue Jay fan, thinking that last year was as good as he was going to be. But if you drafted Gosman this year... Um, you know, you're you're laughing so far. He's been great. And he wasn't as expensive as he might have been considering the year that he had last year. He was like a top 30-ish fantasy player. And he wasn't being drafted that high. So kudos to you if you drafted him. So far, the returns have been fantastic. Only the one win in the four starts, but that's out of his control a little bit there. Uh, I look for him to be among the best pitchers uh, fantasy-wise and in real life in the American League for the rest of the year. Uh, Jordan Romano continues to have value. Uh, even if he didn't get a save here, he did get the victory after pitching a scoreless uh, top of the 10th. On the Red Sox side, Nick Pavetta went four and two-thirds, and he was iffy, um, not not terrible. He gave up two runs. The iffy thing really is the four walks. Uh, he struck out six. It was overall not a bad outing from him. He was fine, uh, but nothing really you have to worry about fantasy-wise. Uh, moving on, we have the Cubs and the Braves. It was a 3-1 Braves victory over the Cubs. And Max Freed with a really good outing over six innings, gave up four hits, only the one earned run, and struck out four. Really good stuff from him there. Uh, Marcus Stroman had a bit of a better start than what we've seen so far. Over six innings, six hits, three runs. Uh, only two of them were earned and struck out three. I think Stroman should still be rostered at this point. I know he's been dropped by several, by several, by a lot of people. But I would hold on to him. I don't think he's someone to give up on just yet. Uh, he has a history of, of success. And early in the season here, we're still in that giving guys a little bit of extra rope, a little bit of leeway in terms of getting their arm fully up to speed. So Stroman is the one guy I'm not going to be panic dropping just yet. Let's move on to the Twins and the Tigers. And we had a 5-4 to four victory by the Twins. 
And Chris Paddock, this is what I talked about a little bit yesterday. It was the title of my video yesterday about if Chris Paddock was worth taking a shot on. And he was. He was absolutely, okay, I'm not going to overhype it. He was very good. Uh, over five and two-thirds, five hits, one earned run. He struck out six and walked one. If you picked him up, uh, you know, really good. He's got a very nice schedule coming up. I think he's starting against, he's projected to start against um, Oakland, I believe, a couple times coming up. Uh, Tampa as well. So I like I like having Paddock on a roster at the moment. And definitely if you picked him up for yesterday, you get him two starts this week. I like him. I definitely think that he should be rostered in deeper leagues. Shallow leagues, I understand, not yet. you got to wait a little bit. But in deeper leagues, uh, absolutely, Chris Paddock should be rostered 14 and deeper. Uh, absolutely at that point. And then anything shallower, you're going to have to just see what goes on in terms of matchups and how he performs. But I like him in 14-teamers at the moment. Uh, on the other side, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez... Not bad, you know, six innings, uh, four hits, three earned runs. He struck out six and walked two. He's not someone that I'm terribly thrilled to roster if I do have him. I don't have any shares of Rodriguez, but if you do have him, um, just hold on for now. But he's if there's a hot free agent and he's your worst pitcher, then I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel anything about dropping him and picking someone else up. Let's move on to the Mets and the Cardinals. We had Chris Bassett, again, turning a great outing. Over six innings, he gave up two hits, no earned runs. He struck out six and walked three. He is, you know, again, one of the more undersung pitchers in baseball. He's, you know, I really liked him on Oakland last year. And now he's in a better spot for wins, run support. Uh, granted, there's the New York media, but that so far hasn't really done much. He's been fantastic. Uh, if you have Chris Bassett, then you're just enjoying the returns to this point. On the Cardinals side, we had Jordan Hicks and not fantastic out of him only two innings two runs both of them earned one strikeout he's not stretched out enough yet to be worth an ad in these spot start kind of situations he'll work his way into the rotation and he is kind of in the rotation now but it's just been short kind of opener two three innings so he's not someone to worry about at the moment uh, the next game is the Astros and the Rangers and it was a five to one Astros victory Jake Odorizzi was surprisingly good and not something again that you expect out of Jake Odorizzi he's not someone we were targeting yesterday but over six innings, he threw one-hit baseball. You know, that's that's pretty rare, regardless of who you are. But especially for him, I was not expecting that. So kudos if you picked him up. Uh, he's not someone who's going to hold much value going forward. But a really great, a really great outing here. Uh, Taylor Hearn on the other side, not so great. Over five innings, gave up four runs. <clears throat> they were all earned, and he struck out four. Not great. Not anything you need to worry about in terms of fantasy couple of more games to go over from yesterday, and then we'll look ahead to today. <clears throat> we have the Angels and the Guardians. That was the next game. And it was a 4-1 Angels victory. Uh, Patrick Sandoval was fantastic. There's no other words for it. Seven innings, two hits, nine strikeouts. He walked one. No earned runs. So far through three starts, he has not given up an earned run. Absolutely should be rostered everywhere if he's not already. I'm sure he is in most cases. But he should be absolutely rostered if he's not. And this is something that you could kind of see going back to last year with Sandoval, that he was pretty close to maybe not breaking out, but this like this is definitely not what we were expecting to be him to be this good. <clears throat> but my God, he's been he's been fantastic. So make sure he's not on waiver wires. He's seventy four percent rostered on Yahoo. So there's definitely still some leagues where he is on the wire, and he shouldn't be. 
So make sure you go and grab him. Tristan McKenzie on the other side was all right. Over five and two thirds, uh, seven hits, four earned runs. He struck out six. I still think he should be on a roster. Uh, not the greatest of outings here, but he should be on a roster in my opinion. We will talk about the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. And the Diamondbacks took a game from the Dodgers. Not something that you're going to see happen too often this year. But the Diamondbacks won. Zach Davies was okay. It was more of a bullpen kind of outing. Over four innings, he gave up four hits, three earned runs. uh, Struck out three and walked four. Nothing to worry about on the fantasy side there. For the Dodgers, Tony Gonsolin, who I really like, wasn't fantastic over four innings. Three runs, two of them were earned and struck out five. He was fine, and I think he should still be rostered, but you'd hope for a little bit better against a fairly weak Diamondbacks team. But <clears throat> that's baseball. Even the worst teams are going to win 60 games, right? That's what they used to say, six, or closer to 50. But if you win 50 games and you lose 50 games, it's what you do with the other 60 games that really, really matters. Every team is going to win 50 and lose 60. So that's something to keep in mind. on. Even these brutal teams are going to win games throughout the year at points, right? You're not always going to be right when you think the Dodgers are going to beat the Diamondbacks or whoever the Jays are going to beat the Orioles or whatever. You know, there are there are games like that. So it does happen. Let's talk about the last game of the night here. And it was the Giants and the Athletics. And Carlos Rodon, once again, I know I mentioned Sandy Alcantara as being a good guy to pick up uh, Cy Young bets on. But Carlos Rodon is also one to really, really consider if you are into gambling. Uh, Rodon is really looking fantastic so far. Through four games, he's pitched 23 innings and 38 strikeouts, a 1.17 earned run average. Six innings here. The one run is great. The nine strikeouts are great. You love what you've seen so far out of Carlos Rodon. And he didn't cost too much when you were drafting him, so you have to really like that. Dalton Jeffries was not fantastic. Over four innings, he gave up four hits, five earned runs, struck out three, and walked two. Not great for Jeffries, for sure. Not great. Um, he has shown kind of some promise this year. Um, so I think I would probably hold him on for one more start, but I understand dropping him and moving on to the next guy. So that's the recap. Uh, I know we did it kind of quickly, but I think we've covered all of our bases here. Let's talk about today's games, which will be starting fairly shortly. <clears throat> so the first game of the day is the Mets and the Cardinals. Carlos Carrasco and Steven Matz should be a very interesting pitching matchup. Uh, Carrasco has been very good so far this year. We'll see if he can keep it up. Matt's is an interesting option who's probably available in some leagues. Uh, this maybe isn't the best spot to deploy him, but he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Zach Greinke and Dylan Cease are going for the Royals and the White Sox. Should be a very good pitching matchup. I'm interested to see if Greinke can keep up these low run outings uh, early on in the year. Dodgers and Diamondbacks. We have a really good pitching matchup here in an afternoon game. Uh, Julio Urias and Zach Gallen should be a really interesting matchup. I'm interested to see if Gallen can keep up his strong start against a tough Dodgers team. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that one for sure. The Brewers and the Pirates is the next game. And we have, uh, who is starting this one? Aaron Ashby and Dylan Peters. So Ashby, I'd be fairly confident in. Peters, I think, is going to be more of an opener kind of guy. So don't really worry about him. But Ashby is someone who is definitely an interesting stream to think about for today. Um, One of the better available, widely available streamers for today. The Rays and the Mariners. We have Drew Rasmussen and Marco Gonzalez going up against one another. Neither one of them I'm terribly interested in using today. Uh, I'm probably going to be staying away from this one, but if you had to, if you had to choose, I'd say Gonzalez is the safer bet, but uh, neither one of them instills much confidence in me today. 
Here's a bit of an interesting one. San Diego and uh, Cincinnati. Mackenzie Gore is going up against Gutierrez for uh, for the Reds, Vladimir Gutierrez. He's not someone to worry about. Mackenzie Gore, he's probably not available in your league. Definitely in the most competitive of leagues, he's not. But if he is still on your waiver wire, then you definitely want to go and add him ahead of this start here today. The Rockies and the Phillies. We have Ranger Suarez taking the hill for the Phillies against Ryan Feltner, who I don't really know much about. Um, I This may be his first start in the big league, so I'm really not too sure what to expect out of him. Uh, oh, no, he debuted last year and pitched in six innings. Uh, I'm not going to be worried about him. I don't really trust guys in their debuts, especially on the road in a small ballpark here in Philadelphia. Don't worry about anything to do with him. Uh, Ranger Suarez is interesting. We'll see if he can kind of regain the form he had last year because he was a really valuable asset last year. We'll see if he can get any of that back. It's looking doubtful, but we'll see. It's possible. Um, Orioles and Yankees is the next game. Tyler Wells and Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery is a great option for today. He's rostered in a lot of leagues, but if he's available in your league still, then you should absolutely go and grab him ahead of this matchup. He pitched well against the Orioles a week or two ago. Very confident that he can do the same again at home. Last time he did it, I believe it was on the road. Uh, Was it on the road? Of course, it's not the... Sometimes, you know, it happens about what's a show where my technology that I use to go through this information will inevitably crash and fail. So uh, I'm thinking that he pitched at Camden Yards last time, but I can't remember. I think he, I'm fully expecting him to do well here against the Orioles, though. It's a safe, safe stream uh, and a decent guy to roster. I have him rostered in one or two leagues, so safe there. Uh, the Marlins and the Nationals. We have Pablo Lopez and Eric Fetty. Lopez has been one of the best pitchers in baseball so far this year, so this is one of the best matchups you're going to find against the Nationals. Uh, He's an ideal target in DFS today. Eric Fetty on the other side is not very interesting. I'm going to be leaving him alone in this one. Uh, We have the Cubs and the Braves is the next game. Mark Leiter Jr. and Charlie Morton. Uh, I'm going to go over DFS in a second, but I'm going to be targeting Braves players in my lineup today. I don't have a lot of faith in Leiter, and I think he's going to get knocked around here. So I'm going to be targeting some Braves. Charlie Morton is someone who has not been what you want him to be so far, certainly for fantasy managers, certainly for the Braves. So we have to just hope he can turn it around here at home. There's not much you can do with him. You're not going to drop him. You're not going to sell him right now. Hope he can turn it around and see what he can do. Uh, The next game is the Tigers and the Twins. Michael Pineda and Joe Ryan. Should be a nice pitching matchup. Joe Ryan has been fantastic this year. Pineda had the one good start, so we'll see if these guys can keep it up. I like Joe Ryan quite a bit. Um, Pineda's an interesting deeper league stream, but, and even honestly, possibly in a standard league, I just don't have too much faith that he's going to have many good starts strung together. Uh, the next game is the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, Ross Stripling and Michael Waka. I'm staying away from this one. I don't think either one of them is terribly great. So I'm not going to be using an ad on either of those guys for today. Should be an interesting ball game, but I don't have much faith in either guy against those lineups. Uh, the next game is the Astros and the Rangers. Again, this is an interesting pitching matchup. Glenn Otto and Christian Javier. Otto, I'm not going to be worrying about, despite him having a good first start of the year. Uh, Christian Javier has moved back into the rotation. He's kind of been uh, between a long man and a rotation guy in his career. He'll be getting the start here, and they'll be going with a six-man rotation for a while. And we'll see if he can, we'll see if he can do what he's done so far in the pen. He's thrown eight in the third scoreless innings, uh, 12 strikeouts. While he's in the rotation, he is a must-roster player, Christian Javier. He's absolutely a must-roster player in all formats. 
We only have a couple of games left now, the Guardians and the Angels, and another pretty decent pitching matchup here, Zach Plezak and Shohei Otani. Otani's ERA is much higher than you'd want it to be at this point, 4.4, but hopefully he gets it down here against not the greatest of teams in Cleveland, although they have been a bit of a surprise this year. Their offense has been all right. So we'll have to see how Otani does. Uh, fairly safe to deploy him, though. Zach Plezak, I'd be a little more cautious about deploying today. It's a tough road tilt against the fairly good lineup who's actually been doing well this year, the Angels. Maybe we'll finally get the Angels in the playoffs. Who knows? But they're doing, they're doing well so far. So Plezak is kind of an iffy start for me today. Uh, I'm not I'm not advocating for or against it. It's kind of you have to look at your categories and see if you think he can help you out in what you need. I'm not crazy about starting him, but it's not a terrible option either. Uh, let's talk about the last game of the night. It's Paul Blackburn and Sam Long for the Athletics and the Giants. Blackburn is interesting. He's had a good start to his season, and I've liked what he's given us so far. He's not someone that I'm going to be targeting per se. I do roster him in one or two deeper leagues, so I'll be deploying him myself tonight. Uh, I have him in two points leagues, actually. They're not category leagues, but I will be deploying him. It's kind of an iffy one category league-wise, um, but... I do feel all right about it. The Giants have been very good, but I do feel okay about starting him. Sam Long is just going to be used as an opener here, so no need to worry about adding him. Uh, Okay, we did that pretty quickly. We got through the recap, and we looked ahead at today pretty quickly. Let's take a look at some of the more added and dropped players uh, so far today in fantasy. Taylor Ward has been added quite a bit, and if he continues to lead off for the Angels, then he's someone who's going to be worth an add in standard leagues. Right now, I'd say he's a deeper league add. Um, and he's he's closing in on standard league standard league availability there, standard league roster ability. If he continues to lead off for the Angels, then, yeah, he should be rostered. I'm not 100% sure that will last. But, you know, two games so far, he's hit a couple of home runs. Uh, in that first game, he hit a couple of home runs. So I understand taking a shot on Ward and dropping someone, let's say a Trent Grisham or somebody like that, who's really underperformed in your outfield, then I understand making the swap there. Uh, Joey Wendell is also being added quite a bit, and that's because he had a bit of a, uh, I know people hate this expression, but he had the combo meal yesterday with the home run and the stolen base. Definitely need to come up with a better expression as a fantasy baseball community for when a guy has a home run and a steal in the same game. Uh, I've heard some decent ones over the years, but a combo meal, I, I'm kind of ashamed of myself for using that one. I won't, I won't do it again. Not the greatest. He's been pretty good, Joey Wendell. I mean, a lot of the value comes from, obviously, the high batting average, which historically he doesn't really do. He's stolen three bases already, and he stole eight all of last year. He's stolen three this year, so maybe he's going to pick it up a little bit. But overall, I mean, he's a fast guy, but I don't know how many bases he's really going to steal. Maybe leaving Tampa, where they're all so analytically focused there, might help him with that because there might be instances where he wanted to steal but they didn't let him steal so maybe he gets a bit more freedom on the base paths however this batting average will come down he's not a massive power threat and this isn't a very dangerous lineup and he will get off days right he'll bounce around in the lineup but get off days like some days will be fourth some days will be six some days will be seven i i'm not personally going to go through it with joey wendell i went through it with him last year where for a while he was really a good player and very rosterable and then he ended up in a drop so i'm not really too worried about adding joey wendell uh christian javier we talked about he should absolutely be added uh eric lauer is another one still being added after the strength of that weekend start against philadelphia absolutely should be added um Maybe not in the most shallow of leagues because this is a bit of an outlier with the strikeouts for him, and I don't think we'll see it repeated too many times, but he should be added in most formats. 
Paul Blackburn, we talked about, is an iffy one for San Francisco against San Francisco today. So uh, judge accordingly based on the rest of your pitching uh, availability for this week. Who else do you have going for you this week? How have you done in your categories so far? Or how many points do you need? That kind of thing. He's an iffy one to me. Like Zach, please, Zach, today. A bit of an iffy one. Uh, Michael Pineda also been added quite a bit. Again, a bit of an iffy one there. We talked about him already. Charlie Blackman, we also talked about him. He should be added. And Jordan Montgomery has also been added quite a bit. And yes, I agree with all of these ads. Sometimes we disagree a little bit with the uh, with the ads, but I'm pretty much on board with all of them here. In terms of the drops, Tony Gosselin has been dropped quite a bit. That I don't agree with. I think he should be rostered still, and we should give him a little bit more of a chance. Not great to give up a few runs against Arizona, but it does happen. So I'm not dropping him just yet. Uh, Herman Marquez getting dropped quite a bit. I understand it. Go ahead. Totally fine to drop him. Jordan Hicks is being dropped, and uh, I'd like to hold on to him a little bit longer, but I understand dropping him. It's going to take him a little while to get stretched out. Dalton Jeffries also getting dropped. I understand it. I probably would have given him one more outing, but I understand it. And here's a bit of a head-scratcher. Josiah Gray is getting dropped, and I think that's from people who didn't really focus too much on his line uh, and just saw that his ERA through five and two-thirds was 6.35 for yesterday. It doesn't really accurately show you what he did. He was really honestly good. Ten strikeouts. So I'm not dropping Josiah Gray. Uh, Stephen Kwan has also been dropped quite a bit. I would hold on to Stephen Kwan. His roster percentage has gone down to 63. He does have a hamstring problem at the moment, but I don't understand this mass flooding of to, to drop him. I would leave him alone. I would leave him in your... On your bench for now, or if you're in a, an IL plus league, then you can put him in IL plus slot. Um, but dropping him is a little premature for me. So those are the main guys being added and dropped today. Um, let's quickly talk about DFS. And what I will say about DFS is I'll do a short run over of my lineup here. Um, I've actually been doing some guest hosting of the DFS Today pod for Sports Ethos. So go ahead and check out the DFS Today pod, which gets released every day. There's basketball and uh, baseball stuff on there. Pretty soon it'll be just baseball. But for now, I'll just do a brief rundown of my players on here. And then if you want to get more of an extended breakdown for the DFS side, then the DFS Today pod is where you want to be listening to. It should be posted a little bit after this one. Um, but here I don't have too much time left to run over it. So I'll just give you the names real quickly of who I'm interested in for today. Pablo Lopez and Christian Javier I have set in as my starting pitchers. Both really good matchups. I like them both there. Kyle Higashioka is my catcher. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is my first baseman. And then I have a bit of an Atlanta Braves stack here. I'm not expecting a lot out of Mark Leiter. So I have Ozzy Albies, um, Dansby Swanson, and Adam Duvall as the Braves in my lineup there. Filled in with the rest of it by Gio Urshela, Jesus Sanchez, and Kyle Tucker, who's really started to come alive these last couple of games. If you guys want to have more of an extended breakdown, then go listen to the DFS Today pod where I will be hosting uh, usually pretty much every day I'll be doing one just to talk about some better DFS options, uh, a bit more extended segment than what you get here. Uh, We're just a bit short on time today, so my apologies for that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I want to really thank Rob again for coming on. He was fantastic. Had a great time chatting with him. And again, yes, uh, give you some Canadian content. I know just me... Talking is Canadian content. Me being here is Canadian content. But it's nice to bring in a fellow Canuck to talk about uh, baseball, especially with our Blue Jays doing so well at the moment. 
So thank you guys for listening. Uh, go ahead and give Rob a follow on Twitter at Rob Silver. You guys probably already follow him. He's one of the bigger names in our industry here. But if you don't already, that's at Rob Silver. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico 99. That's at J O E O R R I C O 99. And also go ahead and give the Ethos Fantasy BB page a follow. That's where we post the show out from every day. If I'm delayed on my own account, then you will find it on there. Also, go ahead and leave us a five-star review if you are still listening. We very much appreciate it. Help us move up in the search results on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us here today. We will see you back here tomorrow. Cheers, everyone.